BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Your Ben Jarofsky show is just moments away. Shout out to Frank on the live stream chat. He did give you a song of the day request, Ben. And Ben, uh, you know, you should know that the song of the day is becoming a hit. Oh, really? Yeah, it has become a I... hit here on the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, we had uh, <laughs> Frank is the first one on the live stream chat every day. He, he beats everybody every day and he'll have a song of the day. Boom, right there. It's like uh, two minutes after I uh, post the live stream. And uh, well, yeah. we had good, Jim man. weigh in on email yesterday uh, going, man, Frank always gets the first song of the day. I want song of the day. And then we got Steven on the live stream chat. Frank, how are you always first? <laughs> Frank, we really appreciate the uh, sense of urgency you are creating for our program. Be first on the live stream chat and get your song of the day request in. All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, November 11th is brought to you by the Chicago Reader. To find out what's happening in and around Chicago, go check out ChicagoReader.com and subscribe to help out this program. And today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right. Your song of the day, Give Peace a Chance by John Lennon. Oh, Lennon, man. Oh, I'm saying. Come on, everybody. Yoko was in that song, too, by the way. Yoko, I'm going to do it now, Yoko. Ah, all I am saying is give peace a chance. And then he has this, like, rap thing that he does that I can never understand. You know, and he goes, Dennis is from Alton. All oh, I wow. Am I always wondered what he said there. That's it, huh? I wasn't even yeah. born then. But oh, Yeah, no, then there's another line. He goes, they call him Dr. D. All I am saying. Is give and then when I was a kid, oh my god, this is embarrassing. I sound a lot like, like Bob Dylan there, by the way. All I'm saying is yeah. Oh no, d d d sometimes Dylan helps him out. All I'm saying is a give piece a chance. When I was a kid, I would just like substitute the names. I was a really clever kid, D. Like my, let's say my my friend Ted. I go, all I am saying is give Ted a chance. I'm like, oh, oh, oh God, you're clever. <laughs> anyway. Can we hear that Yoko Ono one more time, by the way? <sighs> the Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, November 11th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. 
And now your host, Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Get Out Wednesday. And here's why. If I sound a little loopier than usual today, it's because I woke up at four in the morning, jolted from sleep by nightmares of, you guessed it, one Donald Donnie Trump. No! I thought I was through with nightmares of Donald Donnie, but they linger because he lingers. He won't get out. I don't mean literally get out of the White House right now. Because technically speaking, he has until January 21st, even though we lost the election. You know how that goes. We had those three months of transition between the election and the inauguration. I mean, he won't promise to get out come January. He's still talking about staying around. He's still making up fables about voter fraud that when uncovered, he promised will turn the vote around so that Biden will no longer be ahead and he will win. I think the nightmare question that jolted me from my sleep was a vision of Donnie Trump going back on the road. I actually, I think this was the last thought I had before I awoke of Donald on the road in Pennsylvania or Georgia or Arizona or any state where votes are still being counted. And he would have these big, giant, super spreader rallies to gin up support for his recount efforts, for his gin up support to flip things around, to take an election that was clearly won by Joe Biden and give it to him. Either arguing, uh, we must stop the vote if I'm ahead. We must continue the vote if I'm behind. Whatever it takes. And all these MAGA people show up in their red MAGA hats to sneeze on each other past the virus because that's still very much going on, my friends. It's not as though the virus just said, well, you know, now the election's over. We'll just go away. Glad that's resolved. Virus doesn't care about politics, people. So anyway, jolted awake at four in the morning, couldn't get back to sleep. Got up, went downstairs and did something really foolish, D. I started reading If It Bleeds, a collection of novellas by Stephen King, the terror writer. Hold on, brown line going by. Who was that, Rom? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's Rom in the brown line. Hi, everybody. He's just pointing his finger at everybody. (laughs) He's giving. (laughs) Remember the old days when Rom would ride the brown line every now and then just to let you know I'm just a normal guy? (laughs) Like anybody would believe that. He's scarier, actually, in the brown. He's scarier than a Stephen King novel. At 7 in the morning, there's Rom on the train. Anyway, move on for Rom. Where was I? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure which is more terrifying, Stephen King or Donnie Trump. I'd say Trump, because at least with Stephen King, you can say to yourself, it's only a novel. It's only a novel. If it bleeds, is a story about a deranged murderer who lurks within the body of a normal human being. And it is scary. So as you can see, it was not a particularly good idea to try to calm myself down from my Donald Trump nightmare by reading something that just fired up another nightmare. Nightmare. Hello. That's Norm, by the way. <laughs> Hello. It's my dear friend Norm, who will be coming on the show in a week to talk basketball. Hello, Benny J. Anyway, I went back to bed at 7 in the morning, woke up a couple hours later. (laughs) Hence the loopiness. I'm really out of it, man. To discover a front-page story in the New York Times. Man, I've got to give the New York Times credit. Election officials from all over the country, Republicans, Democrats alike, saying no fraud. 
Yeah, I'll read you a little bit of it. Election officials nationwide find no fraud. That's the headline. From Kansas, the uh, Office of Secretary of State, Scott Schwab, a Republican, quote, Kansas did not experience any widespread systemic issues with voter fraud, intimidation, irregularities, or voting problems, end of quote. From Michigan, the Office of Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, a Democrat, quote, we have not seen any evidence of fraud or foul play in the actual administration of the election. What we have seen is that it was smooth, transparent, secure, and accurate. From Washington, Secretary of State Kim Wyman, a Republican, quote, it's just throwing grass at the fence at this point. See what sticks. And from Ohio, another Republican, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, quote, there's a great human capacity for inventing things that aren't true about elections. The conspiracy theories and rumors and all these things run rampant. That is well put. I got to tell you, folks, it is a natural thing. And when you lose, it's just a natural condition. Like it's the inability to accept the loss and you want to blame somebody else. I'm still blaming the referees from a basketball game. The Bulls lost in 1994. So I understand. I understand when it hurts, you want to blame someone else. But the Republican Party is deranged at this point. Next to this article in the New York Times, in which all the election officials, all these election officials from different, from the Republican and Democratic Party from all over the country saying there's no fraud, is an article about Trump marshalling federal power to oppose his election to defeat and includes this chestnut. Quote, in the latest sign of defiance, the president's senior cabinet secretary indicated on Tuesday that he did not expect Trump to hand over power to Biden after legal challenges to the vote. Quote, there will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said Secretary of State, he's like the chief diplomat in the country. He's supposed to be like the one who's rational. He's either deluded or they're gearing up for a coup. Either way, it looks like it's going to be a long while before he finally gets out. <laughs> Did that for you, D. Yeah. Great show today, everybody. Get him out of here. Monroe Anderson will be here. And I talked to him briefly. Today. He's not worried. He's just down. He's going. No, he's been predicting this for a long time. And uh, he's about ready to take a victory lap. Interesting. <laughs> he said, nope, don't worry, Ben. He has other things on his mind uh, that are worrying him, not that he gets up at four in the morning. So uh, Monroe, we're here. we talking politics. Before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man that Mike Pompeo fondly calls Dr. D with the news. I've never met that guy in my life. How's it going, everybody? Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Your 2020 Illinois general election results. Good God, it's still, still won't end. Illinois' 14th congressional district race lives on for a seventh day. But with more mail ballots counted Tuesday, the Democratic incumbent Lauren Underwood increased her lead over Republican Jim the Milkman Oberweiss. (laughs) 
to 3,524 votes. The most up-to-date Associated Press numbers I could find gives Underwood 50.4% to Oberweiss with 49.6%. In raw numbers as of Tuesday afternoon, Underwood had 198,200 votes to Oberweiss's 194,676 votes. Most of the latest counts came from ballots in the parts of Lake and McHenry counties in the district. There are an estimated 12,000 ballots in the district still to be counted. And, uh, Ben, we may be wearing our winter boots by the time this thing is said and done, because according to the Milkman and the Oberweiss campaign, they're anticipating a request for a recount and have been making fundraising appeals to gather cash for the legal challenge. Oh, there's a big surprise. Republicans shaking down their donors. I, I get I, by the way, for some reason, I get them. I'm getting overtures from Oberweiss. I wouldn't give you a nickel Oberweiss if you were the last candidate in America. You were despicable. That racist campaign you ran, shame, 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 shame on you, Oberweiss, except you have no shame. Guy's been running for a million offices over the last year. And now finally, he just attached himself to Donnie Trump's coattails, went up to Kenosha, trying to blame Lauren Underwood for something she had absolutely nothing to do with you. Man, voters in the 14th Congressional District, I know I'm not supposed to voter shame, D, I know. But shame, shame on you. Yeah, you're going to lose, Oberweiss. Votes are coming in. That's something we have. Uh, this is something unique, Oberweiss. You, you probably, I'm surprised you don't know about it. It's called counting the votes. Ever heard of it? James Oberweiss thinks, you know, that he could pull a Donnie Trump and proclaim victory just because of the Election Day vote, which is the first vote they count. Pretty bizarre system we have. But uh, anyway... He thinks he's just going to proclaim victory right there and then, and that's just going to hold? No, he's a disgrace. And uh, I'm I'm getting a little enjoyment, D, out of watching the votes just, like, trickle in. Little grains of sand. And, you know, it's it's kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into this. You help me out here. Help me out here, D. I think I ran this by Let's... Tell me what you think. Maybe I'm being paranoid, D. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm being paranoid. Let's just read the Sun-Times headline on this. I got the feeling the Tribune's kind of rooting for uh, Oberweiss. Am I being paranoid, D? If I'm being paranoid, tell me yes, and then I'll stop being paranoid, all right? Here's the Sun-Times headline. Lynn Sweet, a bureau chief. Underwood now leads Oberweiss by 3,500-plus votes as count continues. That's pretty definitive. He's up. She's up by 3,500 votes, right? That's Yeah. Pretty, Let me get to pretty the definitive. Yeah, pretty, pretty definitive. definitive. Pretty it's definitive. Okay, all right. Here's the here's the um, Tribune's headline: Underwood's lead over. <laughs> Go on. Go on. Underwood's lead over Overweiss widened slightly. What? Thirty five hundred is not good enough for your Tribune. Just widened slightly. Am I paranoid? Am I heading into Alex Jones country day here? Do I detect that the Tribune just does not want to acknowledge that their beloved James Oberweiss is going to lose to Lauren Underwood? Am I paranoid, D? Help me out here. I need help. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the documents. (laughs) There's fluoride in that ice cream. (laughs) Fluoride in that ice cream. We'll be right back. 
<laughs> what about the neighbor? I always love, don't forget the neighbor. I'm going to eat my neighbor's ass. <laughs> oh, it's Joe's. Come on, Trivia. Your boy's down 3,500 votes. He's going down. So maybe I should praise the voters of the 14th Congressional District. Uh, but by the way, we didn't talk about this yesterday, D. What's uh, oh, my God. It wasn't in our our pre-show meeting or anything. Hmm. Uh, Sherry Bustos, uh, the congresswoman from the 19th Congressional, I think it is, is stepping down as chair of the Democratic Party's uh, congressional. What is it? The, I always get this mixed up because of my dyslexia. But uh, the committee that oversees congressional elections, she was a very controversial figure. We had a number of people who came on the show. God. It seems like ancient uh, times, uh, but we were back in the studio that were uh, upset with her declaration that if you were a, um, a consultant working for a challenger to an incumbent congressperson, this is Nancy Pelosi. She was following Nancy. Now, I, I cannot ignore Nancy, my beloved Nancy Pelosi's role in all this, uh, but that if you were a consultant working for a challenger, so for instance, if you were working for Marie Newman over Dino, uh, against Dino Danny, they would not uh, hire you. They, maybe they put that rule in the, it was like, we will not hire you. You will never work for us. Like, what is it? Like a, a, a blacklist or something. I thought it was ridiculous, absurd, and overkill. Uh, particularly in a case like Marie Newman versus uh, Dan Lipinski, you would figure even Nancy Pelosi would be he's quietly rooting for Marie Newman. Marie Newman was victorious, by the way. So, um, yeah, maybe it finally caught up to her. She barely won. Uh, Sherry Bustos did. She did win. Uh, she won. I think she, they're, they're, her numbers are going up, too, as the mail mail in comes in. So I think she'll probably get over 52 percent of the vote. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she uh, we didn't mention this. Uh, she's stepping down. I don't know who's going to replace her. And uh, this is part of a ongoing uh, struggle in the Democratic Party. We're probably going to be talking about this, oh gosh, for the next couple of months. I, I, I've been watching this, uh, like the AOC bunch in the Democratic Party versus some more moderate or at, sort of at each other's throats, arguing over who is responsible for the fact that Dems did not pick up more seats in uh, this last go, or go around. Actually, they lost seats. Uh, so uh, Sherry Busto steps down. I don't know who's going to replace her. I don't know what tactics are going to be used. These are debates I'm having myself, D, with various Democratic friends of mine. My lefty friends are all saying we, we got to go harder to the left. Got to be more Bernie-like. And then uh, my moderate friends are telling me, Ben, you're so unrealistic. These issues are unpopular in our districts. Hippie. I know. They call me, and D, I don't know what to do. I know one thing, though, that was a really dumb idea to um, discourage challengers by punishing consultants who go to work for challengers. I think it's healthy for the party uh, to have to cultivate uh, challengers like this and to cultivate different, you know, strategists. This could be the best and brightest minds that Democrats have coming up. Are you going to punish them? So it just, I don't know, didn't make sense. A very kind of like Trump-like move. You know, that's the kind of thing Trump, you're fired. So wait, you're saying it's a bye-bye Bustos? <laughs> yes. Wow. We didn't see what we can do even without pre-show planning. We didn't even go over that. Yeah. But I was related because, you know, Lauren Underwood is sort of beating the trend. You know, a lot of moderates who won in 2018 uh, 
were lost this time around, largely because Donnie brought out MAGA. I, I don't think um, the lefties really have come to appreciate yet what a force Donald Trump is. Who was I talking about this with, D? I mean, I was giving praise to Donald Trump the other day. He's, it was kind of like faint praise because he's a lunatic. But that um, that close where for two weeks he did rallies every day, five rallies in some days, you know, running from one state to the other. That that rallied MAGA. Well, you did talk to my Uncle and, Eldon uh, the other day. That was probably him, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Eldon. What does he sound like again, D? Uh, come on now, little Danny. <laughs> Sounds a little like DB, Darren Bailey. So anyway, uh, the Democrats are trying to figure all this stuff out. and uh, But Lauren Underwood, going back to your story here, D, I think, I think fingers crossed, she's going to prevail. Uh, and uh, she's going to dodge this Oberweiss bullet. And I think come January, she will be uh, back in Congress as a Congresswoman from the 14th Congressional. And uh, Oberweiss will be packing ice cream. I bet he's never packed ice cream. He's like, did I ever tell you I packed ice cream back in the day? I had a job packing ice cream. Take the ice cream, scoop it, put it in a little pint. Ladies and gentlemen, do not eat that ice cream. <laughs> the milk's gone bad. We have the documents. I'm going to eat my neighbor's ass. We'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, Live stream Weiss. chat. Help us out here. Uh, when do you think this Oberweiss uh, Underwood race is all said and done? Place your bets now on the live stream chat, and we'll read your predictions. Also, feel free to weigh in uh, via email. You can send us an email, BennyJShow at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to us on social media, at BennyJShow, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Shout out to Pat Whalen. And uh, you can call us, 708-658-4788. Several ways to reach us. What? Did you say shout out to Pat Whalen? Yeah. Is he in the live stream right now? No. I was, you know, talking about our social media. He helps us. Not on social media. Can, can, can I subtle shout out there? Uh, give a little Pat Whalen update. All right, the subtlety is gone, but go ahead. <laughs> Pat Whalen, good friend of this show, uh, is a star. He was a, an actor. Oh yeah, and, yeah. What uh, up, Pat? Yeah, That's awesome. I mean, uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, Dennis was the one who told me this. Uh, I'd seen the commercial, but I didn't realize it was Pat Whalen. Or maybe I saw a, a commercial where it wasn't. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Oh, boy. Let, how about here? Here's a little backstory, everybody. Uh, our good friend Pat Whalen. He's been on the show several times. Uh, he's a comedian. He's an actor. Uh, he does several projects. A great friend of the show. Uh, he was on a FanDuel commercial. Yeah, those yeah. Uh, these recent commercials where uh, regular guys are hanging out in their house and a football player comes and tackles them. Well, a football player tackled our good friend Pat Whalen, yeah. and Pat Whalen got paid for it. Yeah, he got paid. I hope he got paid. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Harrison is the football player. So I was I was always focused on Jamie Harrison, who's a behemoth football player for, as Dennis knows, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, in the, the commercial, uh, Harrison is running after Pat Whalen. Pat does this great thing. He goes, what? Wait? I love that. I've been doing it ever since. Uh, every, I, like, just people say something. Hey, Ben, how you doing? What? Wait? That's my Pat Whalen imitation. What? Wait. And then here comes Jamie awful Harrison. Pat Whalen imitation. <laughs> Do your Pat Whalen imitation of when you call Pat Whalen. Go ahead. Oh, Go well, ahead. he is on the live stream chat. What's up, Pat? Yeah, you call. <laughs> Hi, Pat Whalen here. I am uh, not available. 
<laughs> By the way, I've noticed something. Since Pat Whalen did that national spot, it's harder to get a hold of. You know, oh, stop it. No, he's not. No, now when I called the other day, uh, there's this is what it came. Uh, I'm Pat Whalen's assistant. Patrick is very busy doing another national spot. He doesn't have time to call you back. No, seriously, Pat Whalen, congratulations. That's that's really great. Uh, Pat Whalen in the commercial with Jamie Harrison. So anyway, Pat Whalen says hi on the live stream chat, by the way. (laughs) Tell him I said hi right back. All right. Anyway, that was our Pat Whalen update uh, for the day. What else you got there, D? All right. Yesterday, before we ended the show, we had breaking news. The Illinois Supreme Court unanimously chose a replacement for Justice Thomas Kilbride. A replacement later to be replaced come the next election in two years. Justice Robert L. Carter of the 3rd District Appellate Court has been selected to join the Illinois Supreme Court next month. He's of the Democratic persuasion, and that is exactly why Illinois Republicans are furious at the moment about the decision. But seriously, guys, how did you not see this coming? Here's a quote from Joe Zom or Joe Zam, who led the unorthodox move to unseat Kilbride uh, with his appropriately titled vote no for Kilbride committee. Zom or Zam said, quote, this is an outrageous decision. The voters made clear they did not want politics as usual on the Supreme Court as they voted an end to the 4-3 Democrat stranglehold on blocking important issues like fair maps, pension reform, lawsuit reform, and term limits. Zahn said three Republican justices, quote, should have voted no and left the seat unfilled until the next election. And we have one more quote here. This is from former Republican third district appellate court judge uh, Kent Slater. Kent Slater said that Carter had been Kilbride's choice to hold an appointed seat on the appellate for several years, saying, quote, it's like the Supreme Court's patronage. Once again, seriously, Illinois Republicans, how did you not see this coming? Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts. All right. Let me just say this. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo, Republicans. (laughs) Oh, sob, 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 Republicans. What a bunch of whining baby hypocrites, Republicans. Hey, Zom, or whatever your name is, why aren't you calling on Donnie Trump to acknowledge the election? Huh, Zom? Why aren't you you chastising Mike Pompeo for saying that there's going to be a smooth transition to a Trump second term, even though Trump lost? Huh? Why do you ignore what's right in front of your face, which is a defiance of the will of the people for the highest office in the land, but focus instead on the (laughs) all-important Supreme Court seat in the third district? Huh? Why do you just close your eyes? This is just just a pattern for the last four years. Close your eyes to the corruption of Donald Trump. And you're like eyes wide open at anything remotely resembling corruption coming from the Democrats. You know, why is it that Republicans in the state of Illinois think that the greatest villain in the history of politics, or at least in the 21st century, is Michael Joseph Madigan? Has Madigan ever been accused of rape? No, but Donald Trump has. Has Madigan ever been accused of conspiring with a foreign country to dig up dirt 
on his rival? No, but Donald Trump has. Has Michael Joseph Madigan ordered his aides to defy subpoenas from investigators looking into his malfeasance? No, but Donald Trump has. Has Michael Madigan just fired people to bow down to him every day and say, oh, Buona, you're the greatest power in the world? No, but Donnie Trump has. But you see nothing. You're Sergeant Schultz when it comes to Donald. I see nothing. Now you're all outraged. Oh, I'm outraged. <laughs> I'm outraged because in the all-important seat. Oh, sound like Eeyore from Court. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh, I'm outraged. I'm outraged. Oh, I'm a Republican in Illinois, and I'm outraged. Tribune's all over this one. They're all, we're outraged. They, ask, they cover this. Um, they quote this other guy, James Nolan, who chaired a political committee that opposed Kilbride, uh, said that Carter's appointment represents a continuation of the Kilbride legacy that voters rejected at the polls. Man, where are you, Nolan? On Donnie. Oh, well, <laughs> that's kind of nervous, Ben, though. That's, what a bunch of cowards you are, Republicans. Only speak out on things that you, you know are safe politically. You know, won't, won't dare to criticize Donald Trump any step of the way. Supreme Court voted six to nothing to appoint Carter. That meant the Republicans on the court joined with the Democrats. And it's only for two years. And by the way, they exposed their little hand. And Jim Coogan said it on Saturday. They used Madigan to get voters to reject Kilbride when the real effort, when the real target is to go after laws that enable consumers to punish corporations that hurt consumers. Lawsuit reform. What a joke. When you put the word reform with lawsuit reform, all that does is means passing laws, ladies and gentlemen, that make it harder for you to sue someone who sells you a defective product. Or maybe someone who operates, oh, this person has a heart issue. I'll take out his lung. Oh, well, mistakes happen. Lawsuit reform. Fair maps. What a joke. Fair maps. That's that. Initiative in the state of Illinois, FAIR. You know, that's why one of my many problems with the FAIR tax, D. Why are you using FAIR? The notion of FAIR, <laughs> the notion of FAIR in Illinois. Good God, it's never FAIR. Voters don't even believe in FAIR anymore. FAIR maps. So right now, the Democrats have an advantage. Here's, hey, here's a good idea. Let's have the Democrats willingly, voluntarily give up the advantage they have. To, uh, in in, in uh, redrawing districts so the Republicans can elect more Republicans and pass laws that hurt consumers. There's a great idea. Well, Ben, call me crazy here, but it sounds like you like this uh, Justice Robert Carter. I Listen, it's not even about Carter with me. It's about the utter hypocrisy of the Republicans. And it's part of the reason why it's so hard to believe that Joe Biden can actually stitch together a bipartisan, what, coalition? When I look at something like this, 
you know, I would be like, okay. I'd be mildly, probably not, but mildly sympathetic to the Republicans on this issue. If I saw any sign that any one of these Republicans was going to ask Donald Trump to respect the process, the electoral process that he's facing. So what a bunch of Harper Valley PTA hypocrites. That's a song from the 60s that, of course, nobody knows. Oh. But, uh, yeah, so Carter, yeah, he must be good. He must be okay if the Republicans don't like him. So he's 74 years old. I don't know if he's going to run in uh, 20. By the way, Republicans, you got the election of 2022. All right, I guess that's what they're doing, D. They're, they're, they're gearing up their, uh, their voters to be outraged. I'm outraged. Those Democrats. So, yeah, I guess I like Carter. He can't be that bad if he gets the uh, Republicans so upset at him. Although I'd like to point out, he got three Republican judges to sign on him. Remember there was that discussion? Uh, Keith Kelleher was on the show. Keith Kelleher. That's my Keith Kelleher imitation. Keith Kelleher. <laughs> Keith knows a lot, man. Keith knows his politics for SEIU, a retired union leader. But he talked about, uh, he was a little, you know, concerned that, I can't help it when I'm like, I start going into my Keith Kelleher imitation. Uh, but he was concerned that the um, uh, Republicans would not, uh, on the Supreme Court, uh, would not work with the Democrats, but six to nothing. Wow. So those Republicans are something else, D. All right, moving on. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker was busy this Veterans Day morning. Don't believe me? Well, consider these facts. <laughs> at 10 a.m., he was at the new <laughs> Chicago Veterans Home. And at 2.30, he'll more than likely be giving his daily COVID-19 update at the Thompson Center. A quick recap of Tuesday's pandemic press briefing. Guys, wasn't good. Illinois reported another record-breaking total of 12,623 new cases of COVID-19. On Tuesday, Governor Pritzker said, quote, these numbers are awful. Uh, even where things are not as awful, things are still bad. We need to gird ourselves for winter because it's not over yet. We have potentially months of the fight ahead of us. Ben, how's that attic looking these days? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got to clean it up, number one, D. I, I know I keep saying that, but it's really messy up here. Uh, you know, I really, that's my, this weekend, I swear, okay? Maybe I should have done that uh, this morning. I mean, you're going to be there for a while, man. You may as well clean it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I should, probably should have done that this morning instead of reading the Stephen King novel. Oh, it's, it's good stuff, though. It's really good. Um, but uh, no, the serious, and you know, it's... I was thinking about this a lot. Uh, one of the other things I did about uh, this morning was do some uh, reading in the New York Times about uh, the pandemic throughout the country. Uh, El Paso, Texas. I mean, they're uh, like setting up makeshift hospital units in the parking lots of hospital. Staten Island, New York, uh, the, one of the boroughs in New York City, has got the biggest outbreak uh, in that area, it's actually a Republican enclave in New York. People don't may not realize this, but uh, New York City, which is a traditionally Democratic city, uh, there's a Republican area, Staten, sort of like their MAGA country, like our Northwest Side, uh, 41st Ward, loves Donnie. Um, but uh, yeah, it's and it's just like it seems like nobody's in charge. And I give Pritzker credit for trying, but like trying to focus people's attention on this. Uh, I've, as we know, I've, I've been praising Pritzker a lot 
for how he's trying to handle this uh, pandemic. Um, my attitude about Lori Lightfoot, a little mixed, a little mixed on Lori Lightfoot. Uh, but uh, Donald Trump, he's just like, it's D. It's like he's like, what? Well, I'm done. He still wants to be president, but he's declared the COVID over in some weird ways. You know, it's like, well, you know, remember at the end of those rallies, at the end, he was making fun of it. COVID, COVID, COVID. It's all they say. But he's hacking on each other. Well, it's just like spiking. So I get the feeling, you know, and that's part of the issue in the transition between uh, Trump and Biden. I mean, Trump won't acknowledge that Biden is the president-elect, so he won't work with him in any way on the issues that the country's facing, including uh, the pandemic. So they're just ignoring it. Uh, Biden says he wants to, um, uh, you know, uh, attack it and mandatory mask laws, maybe. Or, but uh, there's just no coordination between the incoming and the outgoing. Uh, administrations on this issue. So it's just like, we just abandoned it. Very bizarre. And then you got, so you have individual governors like Pritzker here, you know, the governor in Texas sort of trying to uh, issue their own ultimatums and their uh, own rulings. So do you, I don't, you're right. I'm going to be in this attic for a while. You're going to be in your apartment for a while. It's a good thing. Uh, let's let's tip our hat to Google Meet. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it saved our show, that's for sure. I got to say something nice about Google every now and then. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely frightening. Uh, and, you know, Donald Trump, half the country just, just doesn't believe in wearing masks. Um all of us are wrestling with the consequences of like restaurants closing businesses are really hurt. I mean, I don't, I don't see any way out. I, I don't want to be completely depressed on this one team, but every day we do an update. It's just like getting worse. Half the country doesn't care. President ignoring it. And then you have Pritzker trying to deal with it. And half the state is like Pritzker sucks. Okay, well, that's the reward. Maybe Pritzker should just say, ah, whatever, and just ignore it. Okay, don't listen to Ben on that. <laughs> don't <laughs> say just, ah, whatever, and ignore it, please. You know, just go. What, what if Pritzker just woke up one day and did a Trump? Go, COVID, 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 I'm sick of this. Yeah, it's over. I'm done. Sick of <laughs> it. Yeah, mass, mass, do whatever you want. Do you think MAGA would take down the Pritzker sucks signs? Yeah, open the bars, open the restaurants, open the bowling alleys, open the movies. I don't care. Yeah, whatever. I'm going to go. I'm horseback riding. I actually don't think Pritzker horseback ride. I think his family members do. But whatever, you get the point. Just, you know, play a little Jimmy Buffett on uh, one of those press briefings walking in. Oh, then they'll warm up to you, pal. That's the problem. That's the Bob, by the way, I reached out to Bob Diber. He's coming on the show. Uh, Bob Diber, the downstate Democrat, uh, gives us insights. Ran for governor in 2018. Gives us insights on what Democrats can do uh, to win over voters downstate. Not that anybody <laughs> listens to anything any of us say. Uh, but uh, be looking forward to that interview. But he was the one who uh, he 
ducked and dodged a little bit on that Jimmy Buffett question, Jimmy Buffett versus Bruce Springsteen. But maybe that's the maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's the thing. Well, now he's the guy trying to bring Illinois together. All right. The North and the South. He can't be trashing Bruce Springsteen. You know, he's trying to bring us all together. That's correct. But he says nice things about Jimmy Buffett. So what I'm saying, JB, is maybe you should bring someone who's from downstate into your inner circle, give you advice on how to deal with people downstate. That is I correct. Know a, I know a certain Dr. D, huh. and the D stands for downstate. Huh. And he's a doctor in downstateology, okay? <laughs> and you know, he's always looking to pick up a little extra change here and there, pay, help pay those bills. Yeah, come on. JB, let's get that washers tournament going. Come on, pal. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> Stuff like that. Anyway, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Just, just a suggestion, D. Maybe JB just said, ah, hell with it. I'm like Donald Trump. COVID, COVID. All right. Now, also due to this damn dirty coronavirus, Illinois' upcoming veto session before and after the Thanksgiving holiday, I mean, I guess you could say it's been vetoed. The Illinois Senate and Illinois House both had been set to meet for three days next week and three more in early December to debate and vote on whatever issues they choose. However, Illinois Senator Senator President Don Harmon and House Speaker Michael Joseph Madigan deemed it was unsafe to bring 177 state lawmakers and their staffs to Springfield at this time. Smart move, boys. Here's the quote from Don Harmon, quote, This is not the time to physically bring together hundreds of people from all around the state. Given what's happening, it was an obvious decision. It's not safe or responsible to have a legislative session under these circumstances. Governor Pritzker also expressed disappointment with the decision on Tuesday and said he still hopes to meet with the four legislative leaders soon to discuss, you know what he wants to discuss, the defeat of his proposed graduated income tax in last week's election. Don't believe me? Well, consider these facts. Okay, we believe you. We believe you. Remember, guys, it was last week when Pritzker said about the rejection of the fair tax. There will be cuts and they will be painful. Now, here's the quote. Very dark quote. I'm sorry. Uh, Now, here's the quote from Pritzker on the vetoed veto session. Quote, we have so much work to do in Springfield. There's no doubt. And I guess I know why people are concerned about gathering. I'm discouraging gathering across the state, but I must say it would be disappointing. We just have so many things we need to accomplish with regard to the budget in particular. We have major efforts underway that will require the legislature's engagement. Okay. This is something I don't understand. Maybe you can help me, D. Why don't they just do virtual meetings? Right? That's what I was waiting for in the story. Like, okay, so when's the the big uh, veto Zoom going down? I mean... To quote my dear friend Norm, hello. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't. Know. You know, it's funny. D, people always ask me questions. Like I'm supposed to know everything. And this is like one of the questions. So Ben, why don't they have virtual meetings? I'm like, how the hell do I know? <laughs> I mean, the city council had. It's pretty embarrassing when the Chicago City Council state 
legislature. Well, I know a certain someone in that story I read is not a big fan of Zoom. Old Madigan, right? Yeah, twist his arm to do this. Ah, I don't want to do Zoom. Get out. <laughs> Michael, are you blaming him uh, again? But... Zoom, Zoom out of my face. <laughs> Yeah, well, what's with Harmon? He's more, he's young guys. I mean, Harmon's younger than I am. He probably knows how to use it. He probably knows how to do a screenshot. Ben, let me show you here. You push these two buttons at the same. That's how you do a screenshot. I bet you Don Harmon knows how to do a screenshot. But I don't understand why the city, city council, Chicago City Council, which is not known as the most enlightened branch of government, uh, they're able to figure out virtual uh, meetings, so I don't get this. But you know, people are always like, "Ben, why this? Why that?" I, I have no idea. Maybe Madigan has an aversion. You know, there's always like with Madigan, everybody's always trying to figure out what's his real angle. Why is he really do- now? Like, there's this whole underground D, uh, which hasn't really—I don't know if we brought it on the show yet—of uh, people um, murmuring about why Madigan really didn't want the fair tax to pass. And it's like, going back to my favorite analogy, the Queen's Gambit the chess game. He's the master chess player, and he's always moving his pieces such a way that 10 moves down, you'll go, oh my God, that's what he was up to. He figured it out. As opposed to, oh, I'm not sticking my neck out for a tax increase. I may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. <laughs> Oh, so, uh, and uh, uh, we're looking online here. Uh, shout out to, I believe this is Pat Whalen who sent me a text message here. Uh, he says here, I asked folks in the know about this. They never passed a law allowing them to legislate via Zoom. So they have to meet in person to pass a law allowing them to not meet in person. No need to credit me, said the person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't believe that. <laughs> I just don't believe it. They had a Zoom meeting last. Don't you remember? Big feller didn't wear his mask. We discussed it. Took him forever. DB. Boy, it seems like ancient history. Darren Bailey. Pride and joy of downstate Clay County. Uh, wouldn't wear his mask to the meeting. And Michael Madigan kicked him out. Chris Welch. I can remember the details. Uh, from the uh, western suburbs. Made a motion. Uh, to have him removed, and uh, he left. And then the next day, he came in wearing a mask, and he looked, you know, it was a good-looking fella with that mask. So, I don't know why he didn't wear it in the first place. So, I, I don't I think they I don't. I don't know why. I just, it seems like the kind of thing uh, they could work around somehow or other, D. I just got a feeling. I can picture Madigan now. All right, send me a zippy. I'll do it. No, they're, it's called Zoom, <laughs> speaker. Ah, Zoom, zippy, whatever. Just yeah, yeah, screw it. I'm eating an apple. Michael Joseph <laughs> Madigan, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, the latest recreational cannabis sales numbers are in. And, yes. yep, Illinois still really likes getting high. <laughs> yeah, woo. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Tommy Two Joints Shuba. Monthly cannabis sales in Illinois topped $100 million for the first wow. time in October. <laughs> that huge haul was largely due to the record $75 million in recreational marijuana sales tallied last month. And this is according to the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. Uh, sales of medical pot products accounted for another $33 million. Uh, 
October's total sales trumped the previous high set a month earlier, when over $99 million in cannabis uh, was sold throughout Illinois. In the first 10 months since cannabis was fully legalized, dispensaries across the, sit, uh, across the state have sold over $500 million worth of recreational weed and roughly $300 million in medical pot. Yes, and there's no truth in a rumor that 10 million of that 100 million was racked up by one Dr. D. Just kidding there, Dr. D. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but there's a big surprise. People in Illinois love reefer. Wow. Don't get me started on this one, ladies and gentlemen. $100 million uh, racked up in one month. I don't know, D. How long before. This is one of our favorite conversations. Uh, How long before the legal market um, undercuts completely uh, the illegal market? I say you must got to double that 100 million if you really want to get an accurate total of how much people spent buying excuse me, cannabis uh, in the month of October because you have to add the illegal market. What's your thoughts? Uh, How long before illegal is uh, overwhelmed by legal? What, are you asking me? Yeah, you're my, well, I'm, you're not my expert, but, you know, you know a thing or two. Never. About. I say it never happens. You say it'll be, there'll always be an illegal market. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just don't know if at some point the legal market will be making more money than the illegal market. Until there's the, an Aldi version of these pot shops, there will, there will always be, uh, I guess, a black market for it. Well... Put an Aldi discount joints, discount <laughs> <Yeah>. reefer. <laughs> Come on down. Uh, buy one bong, get the other half off. Like as, <laughs> as long as there's no place like that going on, uh, yeah, that'll still be around. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, yeah. By the way, I just love it. You know what a bunch of frauds we are as people. All these years, oh, it's terrible. It's dangerous. Mm. It's not like when you were a child, Ben. When you were a teenager, it's different. As soon as it's legal, everybody's smoking. Bunch of frauds and hypocrites and cowards you are. Illinoisans, whatever you are, Illinoisans. <laughs> God, all those. How about all those politicians? Oh, Ben, uh, this is a very difficult, challenging topic. I have to do investigation into this and think about it. Whether I should support legalization, I'm going to have somebody look at me and do it. Oh, by the way, over the weekend, uh, you want to come over and get high? <laughs> so yeah, hundred million dollars. That's just the legal end. I'd say. What do you figure, D? Two hundred million illegal? You think it's double? I mean, you know, what's your sense of it? Is twice as many people buying their reefer from illegal markets as legal markets? What do you think? You asking me? (laughs) What, like J.B. Pritzker? Uh, no, more like a JB joint. Uh, <laughs> another rec- Pat Whalen. I don't know. Maybe he knows. Another recreational reefer news written by Mr. Two Joints. Legislators in Springfield are hashing out a plan. See what he did? They're hashing out. Oh my God, Tommy! Did you come up with that? <laughs> Legislate. <laughs> 
Did you come up with that joke? Legislators in Springfield are hashing out a plan that one lawmaker says could potentially double the number of new marijuana shops as the state grapples with an ongoing licensing imbroglio that's hampered the governor's pro-pot agenda. A lottery to determine the winners of the next wave of 75 licenses has been delayed indefinitely after a string of lawsuits were filed in the wake of the announcement that just 21 groups qualified in September. Though Governor J.B. Pritzker later created a process to give the more than 900 losing applicants another shot. That plan has also prompted legal action from three of the finalists. State Representative LaShawn Ford is now pushing a legislative fix that would unleash 75 additional dispensary licenses, meaning there could eventually be a total of 150 new licenses. Those groups uh, that didn't make the cut for lottery would automatically be included in the new application process without having to pay new fees. On Tuesday, a day after Ford and other members of a cannabis working group met with members of Pritzker's team, the representative claimed new legislation could, quote, cure some of the faults of the current law and potentially eliminate some of the lawsuits. All right, LaShawn Ford, good idea. LaShawn Ford was a guest on our show. Do you remember you ran for mayor? LaShawn Ford was on the show, state representative from the West Side. I also saw KC, Kelly Cassidy, uh, was suggesting they increase it. KC, uh, Rogers Park uh, state rep. Good idea. That falls under the category of, duh, good idea. Man, they made, they made a mess out of that uh, unveiling. And by the way, Vincent Norman will be our guest on the second part uh, of today's show. Uh, and uh, Vincent Norman is the um, the owner of the uh, Marijuana Hall of Fame, and he's one of the applicants who was not successful in making the lottery. Yeah, and last that. time we spoke with him, yeah, he seemed a little uh, bothered by that. Uh, I wonder how he's going to be now. Well, we'll be mostly talking about Veterans Day. Uh, Vincent's also a, a Marine vet, Semper Fi. Uh, so we'll have a lot of topics we'll be discussing with Vincent. We'll probably get in a little reefer talk with him as well, see what he thinks about it, uh, increasing the number of licenses. It seems like a pretty good solution to me. Oh, wow. So a handful of people are going to have to make less money because they're going to spread it around a little bit. I don't know. makes sense to me. And maybe, I don't know, prices will fall. Hey, prices will fall. If prices faulty, then that will undercut the uh, illegal market. And so maybe we will get all these style uh, reefer, you know, that, hey, quick, come get your joints. <laughs> Look, one joint, help me out here, D. How is this one joint cost? What, you know, help me out here. Just what you've heard, not what you know, because of course you know nothing about this, but like, you know, I, I have no clue. Uh, one joint in 2020, I don't know, like 15 bucks maybe. Damn. Right. It cost that much? I don't know. I, I don't know. You just asked me. Who, who do I look like? Tom Shuba? <laughs> Tommy would know. Uh, ben, well, it depends where you're playing it. If it's in Homewood, it's this, it's that. I thought you were going to say, who do I look like? Tommy Chong. I'm like, I mean, like if it's uh, from one of those stores, like 15 bucks, but it's from the dude who lives down the hall, like, I don't know, seven. Okay, there we go. That's all I needed to know. Okay? Not twi- <laughs> I didn't take that much. Okay, you got it right. You got the right answer. God damn. It's, it's gone up since the 70s. Just saying. Don't recall seven dollars would have been outrageous. Oh, hey, President Trump has returned on our live stream, Chad. You remember that last week? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it's going, good to have you back. He says the potheads are destroying America on the live stream, Chad. <laughs> yeah, and he says it's not over. We're still counting my votes. <laughs> By the way, 
I have, I've said this. I've said this before. I've, I wish there was some kind of uh, place I could lay my uh, bet on this one. Donald Trump would be for uh, federal legalization of marijuana before Joe Biden. Donald Trump at some point go, ah, what the hell? And then, by the way, uh, whoever President Trump is would do a complete flip. <laughs> Typical Republican. Yeah, finally, federal legalization. Yeah, those Republicans, whatever Johnny tells them. So I think that's a good idea. You know, either that or just, I mean, all these rich companies that figure somehow, to quote Donald Trump, rigged the system to get uh, more applications uh, in the lottery or to get more spots in the lottery. It's not right, D. It's not right. All right. Well, that's our local news, guys. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Several ways you can do it. At Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email, Show at gmail.com. In fact, I'm going to check our email here shortly. And you can call us, 708-658-4788. The number again. 708-658-4788. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Tell us what's on your mind, and we would love to hear from you. All right. Before uh, we take a break and bring uh, Monroe on, uh, I just have to give a shout-out to our good friend Maureen O'Donnell. She's the best obituary writer in the world uh, for my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times. So she wrote a story today, obituary of a gentleman who recently uh, died. Uh, he was 81 years old. I'm probably going to mention this to Monroe at some point. Uh, Monroe and I are probably the only people old enough to remember this, but uh, Joe Riley was his name. And um, Joe Riley was a beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times uh, back in 1969, and he just was randomly assigned to go look into the story uh, about the uh, police assassination of Fred Hampton and Mark Clark, Black Panther leaders on the West Side. And D, I know it seems like I'm beating up on the Tribune, but you really have to understand the Tribune's a lot better today than it was back in 1969, really in the 70s and the 80s. But it was just an outrageous right wing operation uh, that was Donald Trump before Donald Trump. It was always trying to, like, get white people to be really scared of black people and try to demonize the left. Uh, it was really Trump learned a thing or two uh, from those old Tribune stories. But uh, so. Uh, when it, here's the lead from Maureen O'Donnell. When a tipster urged the Chicago Sun-Times to investigate the 69 police raid in which Black Panther leaders Fred Hampton and Mark Clark were gunned down, reporter Joe Riley was assigned to check it out. He found out that the photos of, quote, bullet holes in their West Side apartment suggesting that the men had fired police actually were nail heads. I remember this. I remember this revelation by my beloved Bright. This is why people go, bad. why do you like the Bright one so much? Because it freaking was one of the only newspapers that took a stand back then in the Daily News. The American, uh, in the Today, Chicago Today, and the Tribune right-wing rags. Uh, here we go. <laughs> here, after the Chicago Tribune printed a police photo so purporting to show the bullet holes in the raid. Oh, the Tribune. They had nail, they were nail heads. <laughs> Oh, these are bullet holes. Even I would know the difference. I don't even like guns or nails. 
After the Chicago Tribune printed a police photo purporting to show the bullet holes in the raid, sometimes editor Jim Hogue got a tip that the story was dubious. Jim Hogue, by the way, D, I actually, uh, Jim Hogue was like, looked like Brad Pitt. You know, it's so funny. Most newspaper people that you see today are kind of disheveled looking. And, well, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You worked there. You were, we were with me at the, except for Romana. You know, the guys, all right? Uh, one newspaper reporter, you know, you got to look. Everybody looks great, all right? I mean, <laughs> there's the guy with his shirt half tucked in, and then the one guy with his collar all weird. And there's the guy with soup stains on his shirt. But, hey, they all looked great. <laughs> all right, I know I'm the last person in the world who should be making fun of the way other men are dressed, but I, I would go into the bright one and go, yeah, I'm looking pretty good today, you know? <laughs> At least my shirt doesn't have a tomato soup stain on it. Just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, Jim Hogg, this dude looked like he was out of GQ. You had to see him to believe him every day. I was a copy boy at the Chicago Daily News, and he was the uh, the boss of the Sun-Times of the day. I'm like, God dang, this guy. Looks like Robert Redford. This is before Brad Pitt, ladies and gentlemen. Robert Redford. People, now, baby, oh, who's Robert Redford? Millennials. Anyway. Went on a tangent there. Uh, Sometimes editor Jim Hogue got a tip that the story was dubious. Mr. Riley Hogue and a Sometimes photographer toured the apartment at 2337 West Monroe Street. They should make that a landmark, by the way. 2337 West Monroe Street to examine the scene where Clark and Hampton were killed in their beds in the December 4th, 1969 pre-dawn raid led by the Cook County State's Attorney's Police. The investigation led to a front-page story in the Sun-Times that ran under the headline, quote, those bullet holes aren't. In it, Mr. Riley wrote, nail heads and not bullet holes were shown in a police picture of a West Side flat where two Black Panthers were fatally shot by police. The Cook County State's Attorney's Office acknowledged Thursday. Wow. Nail heads and not bullet holes were shown in a police picture of a West Side flat where two Black Panthers were fatally shot by the police. The state's attorneys announced Thursday. It was one of the biggest stories in the country, but Mr. Riley said he was just doing his job. Quote, Hogue went to the city editor and said, who's free? Uh, Riley said, and I wasn't doing anything. God bless. I'm just a working stiff reporter. Oh, good kid. I'll go out and look at the nail heads. Yeah. Those are nails, not bullet holes. <laughs> Tribune's like, huh? Well, they look like bullet holes to me. Anyway, uh, rest in peace, Jim. I didn't know the guy, but um, he played his uh, small but important role uh, in that story. And I urge everybody to check out the Flint Taylor interview we did, D, uh, which is one of my, well, I shouldn't say it's one of fact because I, I love them all, but uh, what a great interview. Flint Taylor was the lawyer uh, who went to court for Fred Hampton's, um, uh, this was his wife, I guess, and uh, his family to uh, get some kind of restitution uh, for the, just being killed. I would say in cold blood, but they drugged him. That's part of the story. He was drugged. FBI informant drugged him. So there was no resistance. I mean, it's just a terrible chapter in uh, Chicago. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, I urge everybody to check out that Flint Taylor uh, interview. And he talks about this. As I recall, he talks about that, the, the moment when um, <laughs> the Sun-Times revealed that, oh, those aren't bullet holes. 
In other words, there weren't bullets coming out of the apartment. There were only bullets going into the apartment. And the Chicagoans were like, well, I don't know. I read it in the Tribune. Must be true if I read it in the Tribune. Anyway, if you want to know why, after all these years, I still have that lingering just disdain for the Tribune. It's not the new Tribune, which I think does a pretty good job by and large of uh, covering the news. It's not the new Tribune. They got a lot of cool young reporters. And they got that uh, it's, back page columnist guy, your buddy. Oh, Johnny Cass? Come on, man. I love a boy named Sue. What my favorite song. Don't you say, ever say anything bad about a boy named Sue. <laughs> guys, go check out our Flint Taylor uh, episode. And guys, there's seven over 700 episodes of the Ben Jarofsky show, all right? Have you listened to all of them? That's your challenge for the weekend. Listen to every single Ben Jarofsky show ever made. Wow. Uh, over 700 episodes available at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Go subscribe if you've yet to and uh, get daily podcasts from the Ben Jarofsky show. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, our good friend Monroe Anderson, I'm sure he has a lot to discuss with us this afternoon about the election. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment, oh, the Brown Line, and in Ben's attic.
believe me? Well, consider these facts. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Monroe Anderson has just finished his Tai Chi. He's uh, had a little tea. Uh, no more cannabis for Monroe. That, that faded in the 80s. But, he, well, maybe not so faded. But anyway, uh, he's sitting back. He's ready to talk. Uh, and Monroe has a lot to talk about. I'm going to read your, uh, Facebook, your Facebook post, Monroe. Uh, yep. Give a sense of what's on your mind. Did you know that Trump, who is in debt somewhere between $400 million and a $1 billion, and will soon be a disgruntled former employee, fits the profile of a national security risk? Should the intelligence community keep the lame duck president under constant surveillance? Once he is out of office, should his passport be revoked, be revoked to keep him from skipping our country to Russia or Saudi Arabia? By the way, are you surprised that the sore winner, <laughs> this is funny, that the sore winner is now a sore loser? Ben and I will be discussing this and much, much more uh, on the show. Yes, indeed, Monroe Anderson, we will be discussing that and much, much more. Before we do get into those topics, though, I need you to go back in time to Saturday what were you doing at that moment? All for four years, Monroe Anderson had predicting this moment would come when Donald Trump would be ousted by the voters of the United States of America. So Monroe, when word broke at about 1030 Saturday morning that Joe Biden had won Pennsylvania, thus putting him over 270, what were you doing and what was your reaction? Go. Um, I, I, I was preparing for my Tai Chi class. <laughs> <laughs> So I was fixing coffee or something. I I, I don't remember. I, I knew it was inevitable. I um, I knew that he had won and that it, I didn't know which state would come through first, but it, it was looking like Pennsylvania. See, I, I think we discussed this last week, but to go over it again, uh, the Democrats ask all their people because of the virus and because of, of uh, want, and because they wanted to bank as many votes as possible they asked their people to vote by a mail an absentee ballot whereas Trump 
wanted to prove that his people were so crazy about him that they'd risk <laughs> dying from a from a in a pandemic that they show up on the day of the election, November third. Also, he wanted to have a lot of votes there because those would be the first votes counted. So he wanted all their votes there so he could claim victory before the ballots yeah. came on uh, everybody else. Didn't work out as well as he thought he tried, but it didn't work out for him. Well, he's, uh, I wouldn't put that in the past tense. He's still trying. He's still uh, contending that in Pennsylvania, the uh, vote count should stop at whatever it was at midnight, like yeah, you know, Cinderella not, at the ball. Yeah, right, but no, this is... Uh, he he doesn't have a an ice cube's chance in hell of of, of uh, winning this election, and he knows he's he his people know it, and he's beginning to realize it. But what they're doing now is they're um, saying that they were cheated. Mm-hmm. They're sending out these emails. I, I'm getting a, a dozen a day asking for money yeah. to fund the legal fees they're going to have to uh, to knock off the Democrats and the cheaters and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But because this is Trump, in reality, what they're doing is tr- Trump is, is, is hitting up his, 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 his uh, stupid re- uh, supporters <laughs> to give him some money so that A, he can um, uh, pay off campaign debts because they 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 they're broke, but and B so that he can have some rallies um, during, uh, between now and and January twentieth, where he hold and get some more adulation. Well, you know it's funny you should mention that. I don't know if I don't know if I, I said this to you, but I was talking to uh, your lovely wife uh, Joyce before you yeah. came on the phone, yeah. and I was telling her about how I had this nightmare, literally a nightmare. I woke up this morning. A little, I talked about it already in the show, and I think what prompted it was a nightmare about a Trump rally, like Trump would bring back those. MAGA rallies with everybody with their MAGA hats sneezing on each other without the masks. And uh, it, now I'm doing it to what? To, to try to ignite opposition to uh, declaring Joe Biden the winner. And, and I think you're right, Monroe. I think he probably will go back to having rallies as just to sort of undermine any notion uh, that he lost. And I, I'm telling you, I've never ever remembered a losing presidential candidate having a rally after right. he's lost. Right. Right. Exactly. No, but he needs the adulation. He needs to feel important. I mean, he is, he is so cuckoo in the head that it's just imp- it's incredible. So he needs the adulation. Uh, he needs the money that they will be making contributions to him. Uh, and another um, thing that he may be having going on is he wants to have his own TV station network, mm-hmm. his own network, so that again he he can be a player and he 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 can can be of some importance. And, and so he's 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 um he's he's trying to do that. Yeah, he's, he's weighing in a lot of things, but the worst thing for him 
is that he is a loser. No ifs, ands, buts about it. He is a loser. <laughs> he, he, has, he, he has he is the first sitting president uh, that's uh, lost by the amount of votes that he has. You know, Biden has almost five million votes more than Trump right now, popular vote mm-hmm. since um, FDR became president. Wilson. No, Herbert Hoover. Herbert, Herbert Hoover. Hoover. Yeah, no, Wilson and Hoover mixed up. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. A uh, couple uh, things to clear up before we get to the issue of this uh, uh, security risk. Yeah. Uh, number one, let's talk about the vote itself okay. that went down. And I'm going to divide it into two categories. We'll start with the white vote. And uh, as I've uh, told Monroe, whether he realizes or not, he's one of the foremost authorities on white people. In fact, I think he has a Ph.D. in white peopleology uh, from the state of Indiana. Uh, And as such, I turned to Monroe for explanation. White studies, Ph.D. I've been been studying white people since 1965. Yes. And they continue to disappoint me. Uh, so, yeah, for the first years of his life, they didn't have a white peopleology course uh, in Gary, Indiana. Shame, shame on you, Gary Public Schools. They're only black people. So he, he was a student. I think I've told you this before, but I only had two white school teachers during my entire public school education in yeah. Gary, Indiana. One in the third grade and one in the tenth grade. That's that amazing. Good. Right. That really is just, uh, in contrast, I just think about the segregation of America, uh, roughly the same age as Monroe, only had, never, never had a black teacher until sixth grade. Uh, and I think th- that was it. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. I had, uh, I had a black sixth grade teacher uh, and a black gym teacher. Yeah. Isn't that amazing, Monroe, how segregated, uh, separated America is? Uh, I'm in Evanston, Illinois, and um, well, in Rhode Island before that, and Monroe's in Gary, Indiana. All right, uh, so let's go to... uh, black teachers at Indiana University during my five years there. No. Wait, you were there for five years? Did you do one of those victory laps? You know, you liked it so much? (laughs) Okay. I think I'll stick around another year. No, no, no. See, since you aren't my 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 age completely, you you wouldn't know that um, there was a war going. Ah, uh, yes, yes, and yes. When when you get when you graduated, you went to it. And yes. so there was no incentive for me to graduate <laughs> until I got a high draft number. High yes. draft number where I didn't have to worry about going to the war. By the way, uh, as long as I'm promoting old interviews, an uh, interview I did with Charles uh, Ellison, who was Monroe's dear friend in college, uh, who did go to the war. Uh, it's Veterans Day today, and um, uh, I just urge everybody to check. It's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Charles Ellison, uh, musician, dear friend of Monroe, uh, and Vietnam vet, and his uh, reminiscence about uh, 
the Vietnam War really compelling and very moving. All right. Uh, so let's get back to that uh, white people vote and your years of experience studying white people. Yes. Uh, we have a lunatic as a president who looks the other way in the face of, of COVID. No, goes one step beyond that. Encourages people to defy everything that doctors tell them to do. Yes. Gather in, in large groups and small spaces without masks and cough at each other. Okay, right. that was Donnie Trump's response to COVID. 48% of America, over 50%, close to 60% of white people voted for him. Monroe, please explain white people to me. Go ahead. In a word, racism. <laughs> they, Trump is a white supremacist. And they like what he says. They like what he's doing. Now, that's not every white person voted for Trump, but it's the vast majority. That's that's it in a nutshell. All the other stuff doesn't doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, they, they try and talk about, well, um, this the stock market is up in their um, um, iris are doing well because of the stock market. Only half of the country has anything to do with the stock market whatsoever. So that doesn't explain you. That's, that, that's sort of like Hillary's um, half of um, Trump supporters are deployable, deplorables. You know, half of them are stockholders. The other half are doing it for some other reason. So it's, 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 um, it's, it's, it, there's no other, this man, this, okay, let's think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. The man has been impeached. We have a te- pandemic going on with a, a quarter of a million Americans dead because of his incompetence in dealing with it. We have the greatest amount of um, um, unemployment uh, s- since the Great Depression. Uh, we have him, um, um, let's see what else, lying a um, hundred times a day or something. Mm-hmm. Why, I mean, what other reason, reason besides they want the, the uh, white supremacists in there would they vote for? I mean, there's no other logical reason. Well, if I would, I don't know if this uh, fits the confines of a logical reason, but if you're a really right. well-to-do white person, yeah. uh, it's sort of like Ice Cube or uh, Fifty Cent. You love the tax break, uh, so you know there. That's I don't know if that fits the confines of logic, um, right. because you're fabulously wealthy anyway. Right. <laughs> so you know it's like not even logical there. Uh, so you voted for your tax break. I have rich neighbors, um, and I know some rich people. I mean, really rich people. Mm-hmm. And it gets to be like a, a, a sport or a basketball game or something to them. Mm-hmm. It's not that they need the money, but their self-worth um, becomes the money in the sense of there's a pecking order. You know, if 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 you're a mere multimillionaire, then you aren't nearly as as important or successful or anything as if you're a billionaire. And if you're a multi-billionaire, so it it becomes a game of of seeing how much money you can make just 
to keep score. Mm. Well, as long as you raise that, let me give you a little trivia challenge here. I happen to have this right in front of me. Um, You live uh, in the Lincoln Park area. You've lived there uh, for many, many years. You've watched that neighborhood transform uh, itself. And um, uh, over the years, the 43rd Ward. Yes. What in your estimation, your guess, what percentage of the vote did Donald John Trump get this last go around in the 43rd Ward, your home ward? What's your guess? Uh, yeah, see, I haven't checked that, so. That's why uh, it's a guess. Right, exactly. I, I, I'd say 35%. Is that your final guess? Yes, that's my final guess. <laughs> well, you um, sadly uh, underestimated uh, the decency of your fellow residents in the 43rd Ward. Uh, the last I looked, which was yesterday, and they're still, you know, tabulating some uh, uh, mail-ins, 18%. 18%. That's what he got. Uh, so that means uh, Biden got uh, upwards of 80%. You know, some people voted uh, yeah. third party. And right. uh, that's up from what Donald Trump got there the last time. Uh, last time he got 16%. So, you know, it wasn't as bad as, <laughs> as you thought. They all make front liberals. <laughs> Not really. They didn't vote for Kim Fox. That's a whole other thing. The oh, shame, yeah. shame, shame of 43rd Ward residents. Uh, it was neck and neck. Kim Fox barely beat Pat O'Brien in the 43rd Ward. Somehow, this is the point I made in the article I just did, Monroe, about this. Uh, I say, I'm trying to be nice to uh, quote unquote lakefront liberals who haven't really been liberal in years. Uh, They didn't go full MAGA. What they said was say, you know what? We're going to blame Kim Fox. We're going to find a black woman that we can blame for everything that we don't like about America today, but we're not going to go full MAGA and vote for Donald Trump. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, there's this, um, this, this website that I belong to, Sheffield Neighbors Association, your your neighbors or something like that, where you you can join mm-hmm. and it becomes a part of the neighborhood and, and people comment on it all the time. You know, it's it's um, um, old furniture for sale or looking for an apartment or, you know, it's just stuff that they talk about chat on the internet and they are forever concerned with crime and they are you know and i mean and and because there aren't many black people in lincoln park they 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 feel as if they're chatting amongst themselves Mm -hmm. they talk about how they saw this person in the neighborhood who didn't belong there and then it just happened to be a black person you know (laughs) or um and they talk about the crime and how they need to. Uh, Kim Fox is 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 too um, unlaw and order like mm-hmm. to their liking. That they, you know, at, at one point they were talking about how she's letting the, the pickpockets and the the um, looters and the this and the that um, go free, and um, and you know, and I I posted. Just because I like to do this sort of Uh-oh. thing. That's what we need more black men in Cook Pound Hotel. <laughs> there was no response to my. No response, yeah. They're going to kick you out of that. Uh, they're going to 
kick you out of the neighborhood and the association. Keep that up. All right. Uh, so you just gave me your uh, expert analysis as a student of white peopleology. Uh, now let's talk about the black vote. Okay. By my analysis, and I did the number crunching over the weekend, uh, 95% of uh, black voters in Chicago voted for Joe Biden. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's the same from what I've looked at from afar uh, in terms of black voters in Milwaukee, Detroit, Philly. And so I credit uh, black voters for putting Biden over the top in Wisconsin, Michigan, and uh, Detroit. Uh, excuse me, and uh, uh, Pennsylvania. That's my analysis. And probably Georgia. Ultimately, it'll be voters in Atlanta uh, that give Biden. A yeah, no, he, he, uh, Biden's going to win Georgia. All right. So your thoughts on the black vote in this election? Um, they were hoodwinked by Putin four years ago. They they put millions and millions of fake news articles on Facebook targeting black voters um, to dislike Hillary. And so black voters didn't show up in those very cities that you just named, you know, Milwaukee, Detroit, Philly. Mm-hmm. They did not show up. Their, their numbers, they're, they're, they didn't go, they just stayed home. They set it out. And so Hillary lost by 77,000 votes, whereas um, 1.4 million blacks didn't go, didn't vote in those three states. Just who had voted in, in, uh, in 2012, just did not vote. Um, then they got the white supremacists in the White House, and they went, oh, shit. <laughs> what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> I've got to write, I've got to correct this right now. Yeah. <laughs> they out in line, or they, they got their votes in, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in other words, the old ice cube and fifty cent for Donald Trump didn't really work too well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Now, the problem, the problem with ice cube and fifty cent and Ken and Kanye trying to be the leader of the black voters is they've never been involved before. Mm. Yeah, you know, they, they, one day they just show up and say, "Okay, I'm <laughs> Trump, follow me." You know, folks yeah. going, "What?" <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Yeah, you, you got to have a record. <laughs> yeah, you have to have a record. You have to been here uh, for a little bit. Uh, but no, I. Um... You know, if King James said vote for somebody, they pay attention because. He's been, you know, he, he has a record of doing for the black community. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I have to say that when I saw that the outstanding vote in Pennsylvania yeah. was in Philly, Philadelphia, I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry, Donnie. <Right>. It's over. <laughs> right. It's just a matter of counting it. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you talk about a white supremacist uh, attitude. Donald Trump, and we, we may have talked about this, Monroe, definitely talked about it privately. Donald Trump was sending a message early on when the campaign was going. 
when he talked about Pennsylvania, he talked about Philadelphia corruption. Philadelphia, yeah. Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Yeah, he he was, talked about Baltimore, remember? Yes. And he had talked about Chicago. He, yeah. Um, Michael Cohen said that he was, they were in Chicago one time. They were driving through the South Side. And Trump wondered aloud how people could live like this. He just had a. In fact, well, the truth is, and and his 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 stupid voter supporters don't realize this, but he has the same contempt for poor white people. Yeah. But he just he he sweet talks them whenever he whispers sweet nothings in their ears, um, tells them how beautiful they are, etc. When he's looking, he wants a favor from them. Yeah. And then that's it. So, uh, all right, well, that uh, was the election. Donald Trump is still resisting. Uh, but I agree with you, uh, Monroe. I think uh, Biden will prevail, whether Trump acknowledges it or not, whether Donald Trump uh, participates in the inauguration or not, whether Donald Trump does that scene where they welcome the incoming presidential, like, you know, like uh, Obama's did with Trump, like the Bushes did with Obama, like Daddy Bush did with Billy Clinton. I can remember all these transitions, like Carter did with Reagan, you know, all those transitions, whether Donald Trump does that or not. He's not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not, not going to do it. Wow. It's not, you, I don't know if we, I mentioned this on your podcast or not, but um, they have this tradition of the unveiling of the portrait, mm-hmm. the former president, the official portrait. And that's not happening with Trump and Obama. Oh, uh, in other words, where uh, where Donald Trump's portrait is unveiled? Is that what you're saying? No, not- when when Obama's Obama's portrait was supposed ah, to be unveiled mm-hmm. in a ceremony this year, and Trump won't do it. He's, yeah. he, he took a pass on it. Uh, I'm not surprised. All right, what's this uh, that you're talking about? Donald Trump as a security threat? Go ahead, take it away. Okay. Trump is a a disgrunt, will be a disgruntled former employee. He 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 owes a lot of money. He's given away state secrets as president just because he's indiscreet and um, he likes to brag. So he's given away some state secrets that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the intelligence agencies. CIA and FBI are very fearful that um, once he's no longer president, foreign nations can um, either um, pay off some of his debts and um, make him dance that way, give out the information, or because he loves Putin (laughs) and the Saudis, he might just do it, give it away for free. But um, and and the other thing is, he he's he has he's he's not really discreet about what's actually top secret and what's not top secret. And so that's how he's given away um, some information as president, mm-hmm. reveal some secrets. And so um, they're worried about that and. They, they, you know, they're discussing 
uh, on on the on the down low, whether they should just keep him under have him under surveillance all the time. And I think that they won't be able to let him leave the country because um, he 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 can um, just take res- up residence in Moscow. Hmm. Well, if he wants to move to Moscow, I got no problem with that. I, I will say this: uh, the lefty libertarian in me loves it when yeah. secrets are uh, unveiled. I like to know what my government is up to, uh, not just on the national level, on the local level, state level. So if Donnie Trump wants to spill the beans. Now he's uh, not going to spill it that. He's going to tell. Oh, tell somebody else. So it can be used to sabotage. I get it. Who's not going to tell us. Yeah, okay. He's going to well, use it against us. I mean, it's, it's I, and I, when I'm talking about site, top, top secret stuff, I mean, the things we use to to spy on other countries and that the countries that are spying on us would love to know, but we're blocking them from knowing it. Yeah. Talking about state secrets for our security, literally our national security. Well, I, I uh, again, I'm the lefty and uh, I'm always a little dubious about any state secret, uh, but I personally have not seen any evidence that Donald Trump uh, has been a great champion of what liberalizing the the national security state in any way. Our our defense budget keeps soaring year after year. The amount of money we spend on it. So uh, I do not think in any way Donald Trump has been a champion of sort of like the. Uh, okay, okay, this is the silver lining. In okay, this, is that. For the most part, he wasn't interested in the details yes. of these security briefings he, he got every day. In fact, a lot of days he didn't get them. Uh, some days he, he never read them, literally never read them. You know, Obama used to, um, his late night homework was reading the the, the, the presidential report yeah. on what was going on in the world uh, with Trump. If it wasn't pictures, <laughs> I mean, and I, I'm not joking. I mean, no. he had to be visuals. He was he he has the attention span of a four year old. Yeah. By the way, that was so evident with the bleach. It wasn't a national security thing, but back to COVID, uh, when Donald Trump was doing that uh, press conference and he went on that riff about how you know maybe we tried bleach, and right. I, I knew it. I said this to you at the time, Monroe. He was half listening to something uh, that he was being told by his COVID advisors. And I don't know what part of what they said had to do with bleach, but the word bleach probably came up and it is, it got lodged in his brain somewhere. And he, or it could have been, or, or somebody, one of the, the kooks on Fox could have mentioned it. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. He uh, because he, he, he gets a lot of misinformation from Fox also. Uh, uh, anyway, so it's a similar thing. Uh, all right. I, you also mentioned, uh, you said this to me before the show, and it's, since I don't watch uh, cable TV, this was news to me, that uh, Donald Trump's niece is going around saying that there should be a suicide watch. I'm a little dubious about that, Monroe. I, he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would end it all. But uh, Mary Trump is yeah, putting out a different theory. Yeah, she said it once. She hasn't been repeating it a lot. But no, okay, first of all, if you have to factor in that besides being his niece, she is a 
shrink. Yeah. This is how she makes her living. Mm-hmm. And so um, she, she gave us a professional um, reason, explanation on why he do it. You know, it's um, like he, um, he basically he's not man enough to live up to um, being a loser. <laughs> he can't take it. And so because his, his, his whole psychological well-being is um, is is all about him being a, a winner ahead of everybody else and everything. And so I think she, she, thinks that she, she, she thinks that he may do it, may well do it. Well, I, um, I have well, a feeling she's she horrible. You know, unless, and, and he won't do this more than likely. But if he left a suicide note saying that um, my, my country let me down, my supporters let me down. Everybody let me down. Everybody's picking on me. I can't take it anymore. So see you. I don't want to be you. Now, if he, said, he, left a, he left a suicide note like that, it would be okay. Bye, Donald. No. Good riddance to bad rubbish. No. But if he just killed himself, then he, be, he would become a martyr. All the Trump nuts would be claiming that the CIA yeah. the service or the deep state or um, Barack Obama or somebody <laughs> killed him Hillary or somebody killed him and, and made it look like a suicide and um, that wouldn't be good. No, that wouldn't be good. I don't think it's going to happen e- either way. I think she's kind of teasing and taunting him. Alright, let's close it with this. I told you I would raise this uh, with you. A little history lesson. I already talked about it once. I urge everybody to check out Maureen O'Donnell's uh, obituary. Love to get your thoughts on this, Monroe. Uh, Maureen O'Donnell, a great obituary writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. I'm a big fan of hers, as everybody knows. And she wrote an obituary to a gentleman that I did not know, Joseph Riley, 81 years old, Chicago Sun-Times staffer. And he was the one uh, who, quote, debunked the bullet holes photo in the slangs of Black Panther Party. Uh, Riley was a uh, general assignment reporter for my beloved Bright One uh, back in 1969. And, you know, I just got to read this to you. This is after uh, the uh, police killed Fred Hampton and Mark Clark in their apartment on the west side, near west side. And here, quote, I'm reading this uh, obituary. After the Chicago Tribune printed police photo purporting to show the bullet holes in the raid, Sun-Times editor Jim Ho got a tip that the story was dubious. Joe Riley Hogue and a Sun-Times photographer toured the apartment at 2337 West Monroe to examine the scene where Clark and Hampton were killed in their beds in the December 4th, 1969 pre-dawn raid led by the Cook County State's Attorney Police. The investigation led to a front-page story in the Sun-Times that ran under, under the headlines, quote, those bullet holes aren't. Turns out the bullet holes were nail heads. Yes. Monroe, the Chicago yeah. Tribune. Damn you, Chicago Tribune. Right. They were rusty nail heads. Rusty nail. They put those freaking nail heads on their paper to stir up white, white people. Look at these are bullet holes. They were shooting at the police. Right, no, and, and the guy who did that, what was his, what was his name? The columnist, uh, Riker. Uh, you know, by the way, it went beyond him. I say it was the whole freaking management of the Tribune that, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It is a little, yeah. 
an editor's meeting, no, but he was in the meeting. Tell him about it. You know, because he also became there, the Tribune's um, Patty Hearst specialist. He was all on the West Coast, on that, all over that. Yeah. yeah, but that was you know they that 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 was um, that was the way that they were. Period. Yeah, you know what can I say? I mean, sometimes they're a little better than at other times. And you sh- showed up there not too long thereafter, right? No, I it was mean, the I, same I, regime that thought yeah. nail heads were bullet holes. Right, right, right. Exactly. Now, let me ask you this. In your humble opinion, without naming any names of Tribune, people who are probably long since gone, the editors, the bosses, and that do you think they legitimately thought those were bullet holes, or do you think they just said, ah, the hell with it, one way or the other, to confuse nail heads for bullet holes? What do you think? Was it intentional? No, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think I, th- I think you know it's one of these these situations. I mean, it's like with um, I mean, where you want to, you want to believe something, and so you don't you, you just take it at, at face value. So the Chicago police told them that it was bu- bullet holes, and so they just they, they just took it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and if the, the photographer didn't look didn't take close up pictures of it. So they just saw these dark spots in the wall, and they looked at it and said, oh, this is where they were shooting back, <laughs> trying to kill our good police officers, <laughs> breaking law and order. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Fred Hampton had been drugged. He'd been drugged by an yeah. FBI informant, so he was out of it. He wasn't right. doing anything but sleeping. Right, exactly. And, you know, he was 21 years old, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And, and but 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 in the um, the trial of the Chicago Seven, he was very valuable. <laughs> yeah, that's made up, by the way. Let's all right. Let's uh, that we'll hold off on that discussion. In the movie, he was very valuable. Yeah, he was valuable in the movie. Like they just, you know, they don't get me started on the Chicago Seven. They the whole way they use Fred Hampton, like Fred Hampton was Bobby Seals. Uh, mentor, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, really, the other way around. Uh, but just well, the whole and and, and the reality is that the Black Panthers, um, um, Bobby wasn't even considered that important. They thought that the, the, the other Black Panthers, who were thugs and gangsters and and serious um, killers, thought that Bobby Seale was a wimp. And a clown. They didn't. They didn't take him seriously, according to guy uh, Elaine. She's the first woman to become yeah. the Black Panthers, and she Brown. wrote a book and talk, Elaine, Elaine Brown. Brown. Right, exactly. According, did you read her book? Yes, many years Black ago. Yeah, hmm. me. Yeah, same here. Right, but she she didn't have she didn't speak that highly of Bobby. You know, he's likable, but um, you know, Elvis Cleaver was a, was a, was. A, was was a, was a serious gangster and rapist. Um, uh, Huey B. Newton was a, a serious gangster and um, a, a drug addict, I guess. But anyway, they they didn't take Bobby that serious. You know, it's like, oh, Bob, Bobby's our mouthpiece. He'll he'll do that part. Well, uh, the, none of that is talked about in the movie at uh, Chicago Seven. But oh, uh, yeah, the way they use. 
Uh, all right, Monroe, this uh, counterpunch from Donald Trump will probably still be going on next Wednesday when you come here. So I have a feeling we'll be talking uh, about more of Donald Trump's attempts to undo the election in next week. Don't you agree on that? He's not trying to undo the election anymore. He's just trying. He's just being a, a spoiled brat. Yeah, it's like I take my ball and go home. Go home and take the country with me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Monroe, stay safe, stay sound. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right. All right. Okay. That's the legendary Monroe Anderson, Doctor G. Any updates for us? That man is too giddy right now. He's happy. He's happy. Biden's the uh, declared the victor. Uh, I got a feeling, though, we'll still be talking about Donald Trump next week. Now, we do have breaking news. Oh, oh, ouch. For what it's worth, Donald Trump won Alaska. Oh, wow. They finished the vote in Alaska? (laughs) Yeah. For what it's worth, Donald Trump won Alaska. Yeah. Well, you know, he was ahead. It was, you know, they figured he was going to win it. Hey, if I were Biden, I'd ask for a recount. Hey, Joe, if you're going to be like Donald, uh, I don't believe it. Vote fraud. Play the radio. Do a recount. <laughs> did they announce, did Al Gross win the Senate race or doesn't say? Nah, no, I don't they, know about that. Yeah, no, no, sorry, man. But no, I love the Alaskan guys. They're like, yeah, they're kind of chill about it. Yeah, we counted a couple votes. Let's go fishing. All right. We'll count some more tomorrow. <laughs> so there you go. It is official. Uh, Ivanka Trump tweeted it. It's official. Donald Trump has won Alaska, like I said, for what it's wow. worth. That's, that is so wild that she would bother tweeting it. That's, she's, she's part of the resistance, too. All right, more breaking news. Oh, my. Wow, it's a lot of breaking news today. (laughs) The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton. Uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker said today that he's, quote, disappointed. Lawmakers decided to postpone their upcoming veto session and warned that some serious and, frankly, painful cuts are coming to address the state's fiscal problems. Uh, We talked a little bit about this in the first hour, but we have some more updates and some more quotes here. Uh, Shout out once again to the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton. Uh, This comes from J.B. Pritzker. Pritzker said, quote, we've trimmed across the executive branch throughout the last two years, and there's more to be done than just trimming. Now we're going to have to make some serious and, frankly, painful cuts. Those aren't changes that I can do alone. The legislature has to be right there with us. Pritzker said he's already called for a meeting of House and Senate leadership because there's, quote, so much work that needs to be done on the budget and other areas like criminal justice reform. So, Governor J.B. Pritzker, disappointed, proving yet again, boy, this guy's got a case of the grumpies. The enemy is you. Oh, you're not talking about me, are you? Yes, he is. Uh, one of the things that, when I was listening to you say that, Dia, uh, also keep in mind that J.B. Pritzker, I was a couple days ago, was one of the people who, was, who jumped aboard the uh, Madigan Must Go train. Remember that? It's or a bus, bus, and yes, he's on, he's on it. Yeah, boss, my bad. And um, uh, sorry, Vilma, for under, undoing the uh, effective sound uh, bit that you put together. It's all me, so, guys. Uh, <laughs> all me. Uh, so, uh, by the way, uh, there we go. You, want, you want to jump on that bus or what, bud? Come on. 
<laughs> there we go. I want to thank Dennis and Vilma. Vilma helped out. Um, no person named Vilma. sound editor, Vilma. But anyway, uh, JB, you know, was on the bus. Durbin's on the bus. Tammy Duckworth's on the bus. So, you know, D, just listen to what you were saying. Got a feeling that uh, JB further distancing himself from the legislator is really further distancing himself from Michael Joseph Madigan. Trying to set them up as the fall guys. Uh, I, I do not understand why they can't figure out a way to meet virtually. I know that uh, that was Pat Whalen sent us that uh, breaking news text message, yeah. which I have to look into. He apparently changed his phone number. Nobody tells me anything. OK, <laughs> I'm the last to know everything. So we'll look into that one. But I, I, I got a feeling the, uh, that what we're seeing here is a little distancing. Ah. Uh, J.B. Pritzker distancing. I just when you were, when you said that thing when I was critical of the legislator, go, oh, J.B. I see what you're doing, young man. See what you're doing. Okay, he's taking a page from Lori Lightfoot's book. Remember Lori Lightfoot when she got uh, uh, when, at her inauguration, she denounced uh, aldermanic prerogative. Immediately distanced herself from the Chicago City Council while she used her powers as mayor to make sure that all her allies were appointed to the key committee positions. She's shrewd. She's no dummy, that mayor. And like uh, we got that update, uh, you apparently you can't do a Zoom meeting, uh, veto session via Zoom. Uh, Ben's still looking into that. But if that were the case, uh, very interesting choice of words here from Pritzker. Uh, Disappointed that uh, these people can't uh, one over 100 people can't gather together right next to each other and have yeah. of all people uh to be disappointed jb pritzker you know what i mean like he's I, kind I, of a stickler I, on these uh mitigations right i i gotta look into that rule of i i'm really struggling with that one like why I, I, there's so many preposterous things and inexplicable things about the way we do uh handle our business in the state of illinois and the city of chicago I have a hard time believing that they can't do a virtual legislative meeting. Sorry, not really believing that, that they can't do a virtual legislative. Then here it says, like, you got to be in the same room sneezing on each other. I don't believe that. Well, you know, with, with all the corruption going around, maybe they're like, all right, we need to see your hands and where they are at all times during this meeting. You can't yeah. be doing this Zoom thing. Who knows what you're doing in this Zoom meeting? <laughs> Yeah. Now, city council has Zoom meetings. Supreme Court has Zoom meetings. Right? So, come on, legislators. <laughs> I don't know. Maddox, nope, won't do it. I don't like Zoom. I'm with you, Michael. I, how about Google Meet? Try that out. You may like that. Google Meet, you are so welcome for the plugs that we're giving you here. Yeah, man. come on, Google Meet. Kick it a little bit for the not only options. Not only do we plug Google Meet, we trash Zoom. Oh, they should love us. They would love us. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Google Meet. That's our show for today, guys. Make sure to follow us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from if you'd like us to read your message on the air. And you can leave us a voicemail. I encourage all of you listening to leave us a voicemail, 708 658 4788. That number again, 708 658 4788. We would love to hear from you. I want to thank Monroe Anderson, uh, an outstanding job as always. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Monroe and Pat Whalen will tell you, back home in Alton, 
They call him Dr. Doobie. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. Consider these facts. The enemy is you.